Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Active at Home. We're so glad you are tuning in today. My name is Joe, and I'm part of the team here. Hey, I used to play sports growing up. Don't know if you played sports, and I know, don't laugh. I don't look like I play sports, but I did. But football was one of the best sports that I loved playing. I grew up playing it for eight years. Can you believe it? Eight years of playing football. One thing I always remember is when we get down to the fourth quarter, maybe you've played before, we get into the fourth quarter. If you don't know, that's the last quarter of the game. And I remember our team, our coaches would always be like, all right, put up your four put up your fours and we'd all put up our fours because fourth quarter it's fourth quarter baby and we'd all be screaming it we'd go onto the field and we'd play super hard to close the game I also wrestled and I remember something my coach always used to scream as we were in the last period of the match leave it all on the mat Joe leave it all on the mat Joe leave it all on the mat Joe give it all you have and that last stretch that last sprint I would always hear my dad or my coach screaming from the sideline push push, give it all, give it all, leave it all on the track. I even have friends who do like CrossFit and they love to work out and they're insane, but it's crazy when I hear them tell me the stories of them working out because they love working out so hard that they feel like they're physically going to throw up. I know, it's crazy because to them, they're pushing beyond their mental limits. They're pushing beyond their mental limits. Hey, we've been going through a series called A Rebuilding Year. And as we've been walking through this series, we've been talking about the things that we've hid away. We've been talking about those things that have happened this past year that we don't think that we can heal from. Those things that we've been concealing for a while. Those things that we don't want anybody to know about. That junk drawer that you have. That extra closet that you've been stuffing things away. Because we know those things just don't go away. Healing doesn't happen on accident. Forgetting doesn't erase the problem. So we've made the intentional choice, the conscious choice, that we are gonna spend a year rebuilding. Not a moment, not a second, not a chance. We're gonna take a year to intentionally rebuild the things in our lives because God wants us to live a life with purpose and on purpose. And we know those things in your life that you may be hiding, that you may be keeping away, that you may be tucking away, are stopping you from living the life that God intended for you to live. And so a part of this journey is we've been walking through the journal of Nehemiah, and it really is a journal because it's a man, an ordinary man with an extraordinary conviction that was placed in his life who is sharing his journey as he's walking with God as he rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. You see, the walls of Jerusalem weren't just any ordinary walls. It wasn't just some ordinary city. See, it was the city of God. And what the city of God was, it was the place that the people understood their relationship with God, meaning no Jerusalem, no relationship with God, no city walls, no protection. I mean, God wasn't there. And so Nehemiah had this conviction placed on his life that I'm going to go rebuild the city because the city was destroyed because over and over and over, Persia, Babylon, all these nations came and destroyed the Jewish people. And so what happened? He gets this conviction after 70 years of the city being destroyed. I'm going to go actually do something about it. So Nehemiah has this conviction. And we've been walking through this masterclass of rebuilding, of healing, of going through the process of making our dreams a reality. And so for the first week, we talked about phase one. That's owning the problem. Nehemiah owned the problem. He felt the feels and he owned the problem. He said, this is not a problem. I'm just going to pass off. No, this is a problem I'm going to live in. The second week, we talked about making a plan and working a plan because the plan 
Like really, without a plan, your dreams can become nightmares really quickly. And last week, we talked about facing opposition. Because we all know anytime we're doing something good, opposition's gonna come. And it's often, we're gonna think it's gonna be people. But it's not people, it's discouragement. It's those things that we think in ourselves, it's rejection. It's those feelings that are stirring up in us where we're not good enough. And this week, as we close the series, today we're going to be talking about finishing strong. We're going to be talking about finishing strong. Because I think you and I know it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Finishing strong solidifies the hard work that has been happening in your life. The praying that you've been doing. The, the thoughts that you've been wrestling with and handing over to God, the planning that you've been having, finishing strong finishes that work in your life. Going back to sports, the Olympics is going on right now. We're coming to a close, the Olympic season. I love it, but even more than that, I kind of like watching those Olympic fail videos. Have you seen those? You know, somebody's about to cross the finish line. Right before they cross the finish line, they start celebrating. Yeah, I did it! And somebody passes them. I've seen enough of those videos to know that the last stretch matters. I've seen enough of those videos to know that the final quarter matters. But often what we don't think about when it comes to finishing strong is that there's a mentality that comes with that. You see, there's a mentality that's dominating your life right now. A mentality about how the world works, about what you should expect from the world, about what the world owes you. And see, your mentality about the finish line, the convictions that you have about where you're going, those mentalities will shape your response to today. The question that Nehemiah is gonna ask us over and over and over today that I needed you to keep in your mind and keep in your heart right now is are we done or are we finished? Are we done or are we finished? Have you ever had a kid clean their room and they come out really quickly and they're like, I'm done. Like, are you done or are you finished? I've seen it happen over and over as people are going through this healing journey, as they're walking towards the story that God has for their life, that they feel like they're done. But really, the question that Nehemiah begs us to ask ourselves is, are we done or are we finished? Because the truth is, I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to think that I could have done more with my life or done more in my life. As I think about the healing journey that you and I and many of our friends have been on, I don't want, me to th I don't want myself to think that, oh man, I regret not doing it sooner. I regret not actually going through the process. Can I just tell you, I've sat with more people at the end of their journey, at the end of their life, who are saying, man, I regret not doing more. I regret not stepping into this. I regret not trying this. And I don't want to live like that. And you don't want to live like that. And God doesn't want you to live like that. And moreover, I don't want to spend my whole life justifying not doing things. You get what I'm saying? Like justifying, like, oh, I had all these other things come up. I had all these other issues. No, our life is supposed to be lived with purpose and on purpose. That's why finishing strong is so important. Because your healing, your rebuilding are the most important thing as you pursue your relationship with God, as you pursue that better story that God has with you and for you. Can we just talk about Kobe Bryant for a second? Is it too soon to talk about Kobe? You see, Kobe was an NBA icon, but he was also an NBA legend. I don't think we have to argue about his accolades and the things he's done in the NBA, his achievements. Kobe meant so much to us, not just for what he played, because of the nostalgia that many of us have when we think about Kobe. I mean, I remember sitting with my dad as we're at his friend's house and, and watching Kobe and Shaq play, the dynamic duo. I remember those moments watching the Lakers uh, win championships. I remember Kobe being such a staple 
of my childhood and up my upbringing. Once upon a time, I actually used to even live in LA. And as I lived in LA, Kobe was a big deal. And Kobe will always have a nostalgic aura around him. Something about Kobe that I always admired, especially in his later years, is he had this conversation about the Mamba mentality. Maybe you know what the Mamba mentality is. It was a mentality that he carried into every game and off the court and on the court. You see, it wasn't just about games for Kobe, it was about championships. You see, they may lose a game, but he wasn't focused about the game, he was focused on the championship. And more than the championship, he was focused on what he can do to get to those championships. Absolute focus leaving everything he had on the court, pursuing being the best version of himself on the court and off the court. That was the Mamba mentality. He had this intensity about him. But I imagine what Kobe would have been without that Mamba mentality. What if he didn't have that? Would he be the same player? Would he be the same icon? Would he be the same legend? Would he have been the same kind of athlete? Would he carry that same kind of nostalgia? See, mentality can make you or break you in tough moments. And why we stop, why do we stop before we get to the finish line is often connected to what we think about the finish line. So what do you think about the finish line? Like what's your mentality about the finish line? Is the finish line a goal? Is it a destination? Is your finish line total recovery? Is your finish line forgetting what has happened in the past? Our mentality will shape our reality. Mentality is our perception and expectations of the world. And if we're followers of Jesus, this conversation isn't optional. You see, God wants our hearts, He wants our minds, He wants our soul, He wants everything. And that includes the way that we perceive the world and expect from the world and expect God to work in this world. We've talked about prayer, we've talked about problems, and we've talked about planning, but today let's spend time talking about the mentality that we're bringing into all of this because how you finish will often be connected to what frame of mind you brought into the finish line. So I want to share with you today some mentalities that are going to be frustrating for you. And they're mentalities that you and I both carry into the storms of life as we go about rebuilding. But also alongside that, I want to share some mentalities that are going to help you be ferocious, that are going to help you carry that mumba mentality, that are going to help you carry that Christ-like mentality into all that you do. There's going to be frustrating mentalities that you have, but I want you to replace it with some ferocious mentalities that we see Nehemiah and the writers of the scripture give us and, the, and, and really Jesus himself give us. So today, let's pick up as we begin where we left off last week. See, the building of the wall is in progress. Nehemiah got the building supplies. He was beginning the project. All the planning and preparation were finally in process. And now 41 different precincts were all building different sections of the wall. You see, this wasn't one little tiny wall like around your neighborhood. No, this was a massive wall. And so 41 different crews had been assembled. They were all building, all going to work, all throwing their full energy and heart into it. But along the way, we began to talk about opposition because opposition is going to come whenever you're doing anything good. Opposition is going to come. You're going to have a hiccup. You're going to have a problem. You're going to feel like things aren't working out. The one thing you tried is not always going to be the best thing to try. And so that's happening to Nehemiah. And especially in this moment, you see, because haters started coming. And this is where we pick up right now. As the walls in progress, Nehemiah chapter four, verses one to two, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and there and was greatly incensed. Sanballat was angry and greatly incensed. You know what greatly incensed means? It means very angry. 
So he wasn't just angry, he was like double angry. Have you ever been like double angry where you're just so angry that you have to use two words to describe how angry? You see, Sanballat was so angry because he saw the Jews rebuilding. Why was he angry? I bet a lot of it had to do with confusion. Because a whole generation of Jews had the understanding and the mentality that nothing could happen with this wall again. That God was done doing the work. You see, at that time, people believed, they actually believed that there was nothing that could happen with this wall. They looked at the rubble, they looked at the heaps, and they were like, there's no way. There's no way that this can rebuild. Look at what he says next. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? He's disrespecting, he's disgracing, he's disregarding the work that has been done before his very eyes because he's confused. He's seen for 70 plus years, nothing happened. Nobody did anything about anything because the walls were so thrashed and the mentality of the Jewish people at the time, well, if God's not going to do it, then who will? You see, at that time, there were other writers who were actually writing to the Jewish people because the Jewish people had this mentality that, well, nothing good's going to happen anymore. So they were actually writing to them. Their names are Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. And they're writing to these exiled Jews, reminding them that God was still present, but it's not going to happen the same way. Because the people of God, they didn't want the walls built how Nehemiah was doing it. They wanted to go back to how things were. When you don't know what to do, don't you wish for what was rather than what is? The wall was thrashed, the gates were burned, the people were discouraged, and they believed, well, this is the life that we have. Don't you wish that we had the life that we had once upon a time? Do you remember the good old days where the wall was built and God was with us? And that was the dominant mentality at that time. It was the mentality of do it again. I wish I could do it again. Have you ever found yourself in that place wishing you can go back and do it all over again? I know this mentality so well and I know how it goes. The idea is that since I know better, if I just get one more chance, I'll do better. But here's the thing, we know that no better does not equal do better. We know that. I mean, how many times have you talked to your kids or the people around you and go like, hey, this is what you need to do. Here's a piece of advice for you. And they go, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then they do the exact same thing that they said that they knew. How many times have many of us been in the same boat over and over and over again, even though we knew better? Just because you know better, there's no guarantee that anything will be different. In many cases, knowing better and you going back to that same situation doesn't mean that you found the power that you've changed the habit or you found the self-control to actually do better. That's why we end up in bad relationship after bad relationship after bad relationship. And we look around like, man, why do these people keep coming to me? Why am I in this bad relationship after bad relationship? It's because you're a bad picker and you've been picking the wrong people. And maybe you haven't been picking the wrong people, but the wrong people have been picking you and you keep allowing those wrong people in your life just because you can do it again doesn't mean anything is going to change. So what do we do? What we do is live in a reality of, well, if I just keep trying one more thing, things are going to get better each time. But there's no proof of that. It's almost like we're running into the future backwards. Like we're running forward into the future, just looking back and going like, man, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have did this. It's so regret-based. Here's the thing, if I can tell you anything, and I mean this in total love, you can't redo your parenting journey. You can't undo those bad relationship decisions you made. You can't go back to your old self and tell yourself what you need to know. You may not be able to do any of those things, but you can finish strong. 
Rebuilding the walls to Nehemiah wasn't about bringing the people back to where they were. Rebuilding the walls was about moving the people forward into the new reality that was possible with God. What if instead we shifted our mentality from, I wish I could do it again, to what can I do every single day? How can I be persistent with what's in front of me rather than be consumed by what I wish I was able to do behind me? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2 reads this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's just keep moving forward. Let's just drop the baggage and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Perseverance and persistence is saying, I'm going to do every day what I can. The mentality isn't, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I can just do that again. I wish I can go back to my old life because we can't. What we're saying is, I'm going to set my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to set my eyes on the life before me. I'm going to do every day with persistence and perseverance what I can today. You ever hear the story of Roald Munson and Robert Falcon Scott? In October 1911, two expeditions set off to the middle of the South Pole to be the first person in modern history to reach the South Pole. Two expeditions, one led by Scott, one led by Munson, both left around the same time under similar conditions using similar technology with a similar goal in mind, to be the first person in modern history to reach the middle of the South Pole. One team would succeed. One team would cataclysmically fail with their entire team dying. What separated the two? What separated the two was a choice to make a 20-mile march, no matter what, every single day. After a few weeks, Roald Munson would lead the South Pole victorious with his entire team. In his journal, you see how he did it. Every day, rain or shine, snow or sickness, we are going to make a 20-mile march. Every single day, we're going to get up and we are going to march 20 miles. The other team, led by Scott, clear conditions, 60 miles. Bad weather, no progress. It's a nice day. We all feel good. Let's go 40. A couple days pass by. We can't go anywhere. You don't go anywhere. A mudson said, no matter what, we are going to hit that 20-mile march. What's your 20-mile march in rebuilding? What are you doing every single day? Are you showing up? Are you showing out? Are you being present? Are you working on your faith? Are you praying daily? Are you reading daily? Are you present with your spouse daily? What is that 20 mile march you need to hit every single day? You see, the finish line isn't gonna happen with just a sprint alone. No, there needs to be a pace that's set now. It's not about the sprint. It's about you choosing now. The mentality is I'm gonna hit the mile marker every single day. So back to the story of Nehemiah. Chapter 4, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. They're halfway done, the entire wall, half of its height. They were taking care of business. They worked so steadily, so hard with all of their heart that it got to half of its potential. But it's halfway done. Does that mean it's finished? No. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're halfway done, and now they start to complain? Then death threats started coming in from neighboring cities. 
Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. They're halfway there, yet they're ready to be done because they're scared, because there's too much to do, because they can't imagine a reality with the wall actually being rebuilt. They're halfway there, but they're done in their spirits. You ever have that mentality? I've gone far enough. That I've gone far enough mentality. It's another frustrating mentality that we can carry into our lives and into the process of rebuilding. We can really look at all the things we've already done and go like, look at how far I've come. Look at what I've been able to accomplish. And we can rest on those things, but being done isn't being finished. And can I just tell you, everything seems good enough until the battle comes. Everything feels like enough until the battle comes. But when the battle comes, what I know will happen is you'll be looking back and wishing that you spent more time on the details. What you're building in your life is worth the details. And what you see over and over in Nehemiah is that he spared no expense and he took care of all of the details. When it comes to your heart, your mind, your soul, your relationships, that'll do, won't do. I see this happen a lot. People get married, got to the altar, I'm here. But it falls off after that because we got here. But what got you here is not going to get you there. Good enough is not good enough. As much as Nehemiah saw the people's fear and his tiredness, what he did was kept pointing them back to God's promises. There's more. There's more on the other side of this. There's more if we don't stop. There's more if we keep going. There's more that we're going to miss out on if we stop now before it actually gets good. Nehemiah gets gritty in the moments that he's tired. Nehemiah gets gritty in the moments where the people can't see that God's actually doing something. So here's the ferocious mentality I want you to put in your heart and mind. When I get tired, I get gritty. When I get tired, I get gritty. You know what gritty is? It's that pump that the track star gives when he's about to be done. It's that grunt that the weightlifter has when they're about to hit their max. It's that feeling, that drive, that power that's in you to keep going because you're saying, I'm not going backwards. Good enough is not good enough for me. I'm going to keep moving forward. So what Nehemiah does is he begins to rearrange things. He says, all right, you're tired. Let's work in shifts. All right, you're exhausted and you're scared. Let's put guards around. At one point, Nehemiah had these dudes with one hand on their sword and one hand with a hammer. He said, no matter what, we're not going back because there's something that God is trying to build in our lives. Nehemiah got gritty in that moment. You know what's gritty? And maybe some of us need to consider. Forgiveness is gritty. Saying, I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to let my bitterness or anger or frustration, what happened in the past, stop me from moving forward. You know what's gritty? It's saying that I'm going to keep showing up even when it's not working. Even when it doesn't feel like it's working, I'm going to keep showing up and being present for the problem. You know what's gritty is letting go of past hurts, not letting them to define the relationship anymore. You know what's gritty? Making amends to those who are on the outskirts of the pain. You know what's gritty? Reliving those past hurts for the sake of saying, those things don't have control over me anymore. And I don't want to go through them ever again. When you choose grit, you say you're never going back. And that's what Nehemiah was telling his people. We're not going back. 
That'll do, won't do. This wall is half finished. We're going to finish. We're going to get it done. And finally, we get to this climactic moment in this journal, this moment that we've all been waiting for, the completion of the wall because Nehemiah did not let them stop. Seven months since the dream first was placed on Nehemiah's life. Two months since he sat in the throne room with the king, pleading his case, sharing the vision in his heart. Seven months of planning and preparing. Seven months of thinking through, can this actually happen? Can this come to fruition? The wall was done. The victory was there, but Nehemiah wasn't finished. Read it with me. Chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. The wall was completed. I imagine that moment being such a victorious moment for the people of God. The celebrations that were happening, the hammers being dropped, the hand coming off the sword, finally people being able to rest knowing that God was with them and they were protected and they were safe and God was going to do something more. And I imagine Nehemiah looking out as the people celebrate the final brick, the final hammer, the final chisel. And as he's celebrating with the people, the people may have felt like they were done, but Nehemiah wasn't finished because he did not want people to go back anymore. The frustrating mentality that we often carry into the finish line is if I get there, everything will be all right. If I just get there, if I just arrive, if I just get that job, if I just get that paycheck, if I get that promotion, if I get that wife, if I get that husband, everything is going to be all right. If only I had this. We like to deify and idolize the finish line in so many ways as if it's a place that's gonna magically change everything. And let me tell you, the completion of your dream and goal, that's a good thing to have in your heart and have in your mind. But I can't tell you how many people I've met who have gotten there and haven't been satisfied with it. They've gotten the dream job. They've gotten the dream life. And yet their soul still isn't satisfied. What I know to be true is if you're miserable there, you're going to be miserable here. And if you're miserable here, you're going to be miserable there. There's something inside of you that needs to shift and change. And in the same way, Nehemiah knew that the people of God getting to this point wasn't going to be enough to have a wall. That wall needed to have a spirit. That wall needed to have fight. That wall needed to have grit. That wall needed to have faith that God was still with him. See, this is only the sixth chapter, and there's a lot more chapters than Nehemiah, because what Nehemiah begins to do is help the people of God see that God is still with them in every single moment through celebrations, through prayer, through moments where they intentionally come together and have moments where they confess to God, God, we've left you, we've forgotten you. Because Nehemiah wasn't just concerned about the outside, he wanted the inside to change as well. Doesn't, isn't it true that chicken always looks done before it's actually done? And in the same way, we have to work on the things that are inside to us. So Nehemiah commits to it. He commits to it that the wall wasn't enough, that he was going to finish the work that God was starting and rebuild not just the city, but rebuild the people who were going to live in the city. What if instead we took this, this mentality, instead of chasing destinations, I'm pursuing transformation. Instead of pursuing that thing that I've wanted for so long, instead of pursuing that Instagram post of saying, hey, look, I healed and we're all good and look at my family and we're totally fine. No, we're pursuing the transformation that only comes from the act of finishing strong, of showing up, of getting gritty, of letting God have those worries, those doubts, those fears, those anxieties, those things inside of us, and letting the Spirit of God be in us. 
Paul says in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God doesn't want you to change what's around you. He wants you to change what's in you. And he wants to change that with you because he wants you to be able to handle the world around you no matter what the storms throw. We have an activator and leader here at Active Church that's been really meaningful to our community, has been really meaningful to our staff here. She's recently come on our team and she oversees our Progress Together pillar. And she helps with Rooted and Connection Groups and Active Recovery. And she has an amazing story that I can't do justice. So I've actually asked her to come and share with us a little bit about her story. So will you welcome up with me, Erin Snow. Erin, what's up? Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good, how are you? Thanks for joining me today. Hey, I, I, I can share about you in, in a quick nutshell, but can you share with us, what's your background? Like, yeah. what do you do? What's your career look like? Yeah, so right now in life, I am a mom of two boys, and I also have a wonderful husband who does active recovery with me as well. Yeah. Um, I'm a marriage and family therapist, wow. so I have a practice downtown Redlands, and I see clients there, and I, I specialize and focus on how childhood trauma affects adults. Wow. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah, and, and how long have you been doing that for? I have been a therapist for about 10 years, but um, specifically working in the addiction and trauma field for about seven. And so you have really a, a pretty gnarly story of you walking through trials, you rebuilding your life. Can you share with us in a, in a brief moment, what has that story of rebuilding been looking like for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm an open book now, but see, my brain wants to tell me that if you knew where I've been mm -hmm. and you knew what I've done, you would not want me around. Mm -hmm but I have a God that told me that that's not true. Wow. Um, I was addicted to drugs, um, addicted to stimulants and alcohol, um, using enough that could kill someone every single day. And I was completely hopeless. Hmm. Um, I did not have a God in my life. I got to the point of wanting to end my life. Hmm. Um, and that's what brought me into recovery. Um, I was on a 5150 hold and released to a treatment center. And at that treatment center, I actually found God. Mm -hmm. um, and I put aside all the things that I thought I knew about Jesus and about the church, because I had a God that so personally came down to me and said, you are worth it. Nothing that you've done, nowhere that you've been takes away the fact that I love you unconditionally. Wow. And that's how I live today. I don't live in the shame, and I don't want anyone else to live in the shame. Wow. I, I walk with my head held high because I'm, I'm living an amends to my past wow. every day. That's what I do. And it wasn't easy, um, and there were times where my heart was completely broken by some of the things that were going on in my life, but I have a God that does not leave me ever. Wow. You know, and so, and so you've come a, a really long way from I have. that. <laughs> like you would a, not believe it. And you now work with people who are in I that do. same rebuilding and recovery journey. Yeah. So as we've been talking about mentalities that frustrate us versus mentalities that make us ferocious mm -hmm. as we rebuild, why do people stop the process of rebuilding in their life? I think for me, I remember when I first got sober, it was like I was just white knuckling it. Like, just let me get to a year. Like when I get to a year, I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I can either return to like a normal drinker, you know, or I'll figure out what I'm going to do next. Yeah. 
I got to a year and I realized that like my small brain decided that one year was going to be it for me. Yeah. And I recognize that like God's plan is something I can't even conceptualize. Wow. It's so much bigger than anything I can even yeah. imagine or think of. And I think people stop because it's hard. Yeah. And when you don't, you know, see what's next, it's difficult to say, I'm going to fight for that. Yeah. But when you have a God that tells you that you, you can do amazing things in this world yeah. and you actually follow that, I don't stop because I don't want to go back. And if I don't continually give away the gift that was so freely given to me, then I'm not going to stay sober. And I know that. Wow. So I don't stop because God's story is so huge. And like throwing yourself into that has, has created some of the most insane stories in my life. The biggest blessings. And even the suffering and the trials, those have been some of my greatest blessings as well. It's just walking through those. So I think people stop because they're afraid. I think people stop because they don't see what's next. And also it's this idea of like, you know, I got to this place, yeah. that's good enough. But when you believe in a God that says you are so much bigger than you even think, your self-esteem can grow because I'm a child of God and God actually has a plan for me that blows my plan out of the water. And so I, I keep going because the gifts keep coming. Like wow. God's plan is, is <laughs> it's immense and it's, it's complicated and it's beautiful. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody who's tired, exhausted and ready to stop? Yeah. I would say use that. Mm. Use that as a, as a catalyst mm. to say, I'm not stopping here. Wow. I'm not ending. My story doesn't end in pain and defeat. Yeah. Like that is actually, I can turn this suffering into a story that can help somebody else who's in the same wow. place. You don't have to be tired when you have a God that says, I will be strong when you are weak. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, to live in a place where you're alone. Like accept the love and the strength and the power that God has so freely given us. That's beautiful. And stop thinking about yourself. <laughs> like I, I suffered from straight up, constant selfishness mm -hmm. and that's a miserable place to be because it's mm -hmm. isolating when I choose to put my focus on God and I choose to put my focus on growing his kingdom and giving away um, healing mm -hmm. I'm not so like self-centered yeah. I'm not so miserable focused on the things that don't work because I'm focusing on the things that are transforming myself and other people that's powerful Aaron really you're leaving a legacy and I think that's what the finish line really is it's not so much about our personal recovery and you know crossing those destinations. It's about leaving a legacy. It's like it's saying that God can do something bigger and more immense than I even hoped of, dreamed or imagined by me choosing to take that one more step. Thank you so much for sharing your You're story. Welcome. Give me a hug. Yeah. You're awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much, Aaron. Can we give her a big thank you? Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Well, hey, I want to close with this. Finish strong. There's a life beyond these moments that you're walking through. Finish strong. There's a God who loves you and will fight with you and for you. Finish strong. You keep showing up because God's leading the way. If you need to finish strong today, you need that encouragement, you need that power, you need that drive, you need that grit today, I wanna to pray some words over you. And if you are in a place where you are in look of, and you are looking for community, looking for friendship, looking for somebody just to cheer you on, we have two things I wanna point you to, active recovery and rooted. 
Active Recovery is a group that meets here that helps uh, people get support that they need as they continually fight the good fight, as they do the good work and say, I'm not coming down. If you want more information, you can message on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to connect you there. Secondly, you can you connect with us at Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week experience that's gonna help you find your purpose, your community, and help you understand your relationship with God. We've seen crazy stories come from Rooted, and I think it'd be a perfect place for you to launch and find that community, and just to make that mile marker on the ground that, God, I'm not going back. If you're interested in Rooted, you can message us on Instagram or Facebook, and we'd love to get you connected to the right people. Can I pray for you right now as we continue to rebuild? Father God, as we are in this rebuilding journey, we are giving it to you because it's not ours, God. It's the legacy that you wanna leave with our life. We're ready to see you. We're ready to follow after you, God. Give us the courage to take that mile marker, God. Give us the courage to make that 20 mile march every day. God, give us the grit we need in the moments where life gets tough, God. And may we pursue not destinations, but may we pursue the transformation that only you can bring. Give us the power that we need to continually do the work that you've called us to do. Thank you, God, for all your love, and thank you for how you see us. We all lift us up in your son's holy name, and all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Ukaipa. See you next time.